I am Bono Ansley, an active real estate agent and founder of Ansley Real Estate, Christie's International, an award-winning Atlanta-based real estate brokerage that did over $3 billion in sales last year. And I'm Chris Tuff, one of the first advertisers to work directly with Mark Zuckerberg in 2006. I've since gone on to be the best-selling author of The Millennial Whisper and Save Your Asks. And, and this, this is Brokering Billions. This podcast is about uncovering the hustle, perseverance, mindset, and tricks that are used by the top real estate agents in the country to help you take your business to the next level. In today's episode of Brokering Billions, we have the Ussery Group out of Hilton Head, Bluffton, South Carolina. Guys, Today, we've got Keen Reese, one of my lifelong best friends, and his mentor, Johnny Ussery. You might ask yourself, what does doing real estate the right way mean? Well, we're going to find out today. And these guys have sold over a billion dollars of real estate. And guess what? They've done it the right way. Get fired up. Here they come. We are... Sitting in the headquarters of Ansley Real Estate, Christie's International, I'm Bono Ansley. And I'm Chris Tuff. And today, we're brokering billions. We have an amazing team straight out of Hilton Head, South Carolina. Johnny Ussery and team member Keen Reese join us from their studio on the coast. And we just couldn't be happier to be here. I'm fired up, guys. You, you excited to be here or what? Hey, we, thank you very much for the invitation. Yes, we're very humbled to be here. Thank you. Humbled, excited. Um, thanks for including us. Well, you guys are here because you did $280 million last year on the coast. Uh, you've got a team of five people. Uh, today, we're going to dive into that team. We're going to understand the dynamics, who does what how y'all get to sell that much real estate, um, what's your secret for success, and everything in between. What do you got, Chris? Johnny, I, I, want, I want to go back to kind of how you fell into this. Let, let's, go, let's go straight to when everything started to come together for you. Tell us a little bit about how you got into real estate um, and, and a little story there. Awesome. Uh, I grew up in North Carolina, about an hour east of Charlotte. Um, my married my childhood sweetheart. She was in the eighth grade. I was in the seventh grade. We started liking each other. Uh, came to Hilton Head in 77 on a honeymoon. And prior to that, uh, I was getting close to graduating from Chapel Hill, University of North Carolina. And no resume, no money, no nothing. And I had a fraternity brother that had gone out and did this crazy job of selling books door to door for the Southwestern Company out of Nashville, Tennessee. So he recruited me and Charles was somewhat of a goof off. And I said, if he can do it, I can do it. Sure. So I went out and uh, knocked on doors for uh, uh, the summer of 76. Uh, got a lot of rejection, learned how to handle a lot of rejection. Uh, learned a lot about setting goals, uh, a lot about serving, putting others' needs above your own. Um, great experience, but I want to do it again. Heck no. Uh, but it was a great experience. And at, at the end of that time, I got recruited by some guys on Hilton Head that had sold books when they were in college. And they were working for Charles Frazier in the early days back in the 60s. 
And so they recruited me to come down to sell real estate. And I said, if I can sell books door to door and talk to people that don't want to talk to me, this thing of real estate has got to be easy. So people, everybody wants to talk about buying a home. So I transitioned from selling books door to door to helping the homeless, as we say, uh, selling real estate. Johnny, you know what's interesting about that? If I'm going back to when I was down in the low country in 98, 99, uh, through the early 2000s, a lot of my peers that I really looked up to started selling books door to door. Um, Chip Dolan, uh, Peter Pollack, uh, Wade Sheely, uh, all names that have done stuff and had great careers. Did you work with any of those guys? Uh, I worked with Wade. And then I worked with John Reed, uh, you know, a lot of the Jeff Wilson, uh, gosh, Tom Jacoby, there's a ton of those guys because it was like a pipeline because you knew their background, you knew their training, you knew they knew what they were doing. All they're doing is just changing a product from a book, knocking on someone's door to a home and help. And everybody wants to talk about real estate. Nobody wants to talk about buying books. Everybody wants to talk about real estate. It's a great topic of conversation. Keen Reese. So I had the luxury of uh, Keen and I were best buddies growing up in uh, in high school and junior high. And, um, you know, I moved down to the Ford plantation and started selling property right out of University of Georgia. And I learned how to sell lots. I think that we were financing homes or, or houses and lots at 100%, so it was easy. And, and, and we'd, we'd have to get them in from the billboard on 95. They'd pull into Ford Plantation. I'd show up right when they got out of their car, and I'd try to sell them something before they got back on the highway. And after about a couple months of doing it, I called my best friend, Keen, who was living in a house that I had built in Atlanta, I said, Keen, look, this is this is awesome. I mean, I think I found my calling. You got to come down here. And at that point, I was engaged to my high school sweetheart, Jen. And Keen said, I'm on my way down. And next thing I knew, Keen was living in my basement. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he goes across the street and gets a job at Mellow Mushroom and starts flipping pies. <laughs> Keen, do you want to say anything about that? <laughs> It was an awesome transition. I was in Atlanta, um, you know, fresh out of college, a couple years out of college. Um, first job was with an IT recruiting firm called Remington International. Mm. And um, my first day there, I sat and was given a book uh, of calls to make. And the number of calls uh, that day was 150 and you couldn't take your phone off your shoulder. And if you did, um, the manager in front of you would, would make you get back on the calls. And we had guys that would say, Hey, I got to go to the bathroom and you know, at our table and they'd get up and they'd never come back in. <laughs> and so when Bono called me, I said, I'm all in, <laughs> I'm getting out of Atlanta because I'm done making 150 cold calls a day to, uh, with this manager staring at me. So I came down, I didn't have a place to live because I didn't have any money. And so I just, Bono had one extra bedroom and, uh, like you did in Atlanta and, let me let me live there. And um, because I didn't have any money, I was going around trying to find anybody and everybody to talk to. And uh, yeah, the Mellow Mushroom hired me to uh, to, to make uh, to make pieces for folks. And that's the way I paid Bono to, uh, for that one bedroom. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's a great story. And also um, the story of Keen and I uh, keeps going. Um, Keen met his wife at 
Jen and I's wedding. So I take full credit for that as well. And and also, Keen got a job in the development side at Palmetto Bluff. And Keen, give us a quick background of your development side to Palmetto Bluff and then jumping into the sales side. And then how you got me over there at Palmetto Bluff to do what I ended up doing over there. Yeah, I had a really, um, a really fortunate experience. Um, you can um, look back and just, it's amazing the way um, we're, we're put into everything that we're put in our lives. It feels like it was stepping stones to, um, you know, be fortunate working with Johnny today. But uh, that process of me working at Mellow Mushroom and talking to anybody and everybody I could led to um, an interview with a gentleman who had just been recruited from Hawaii, had developed and was running Molokai Ranch. His name was Jim Mosley, and he had been hired to develop and be the visionary behind this 20,000 acre piece of property that had just been acquired by Crescent Resources called Palmetto Bluff. And I got the interview to talk to Jim and I said, Jim, I'll do anything you need. I mean, if you want me to mow the grass, I'll do that. Um, but Jim hired me and I was very fortunate. Um, still am today. Jim and I are great friends. We, we talk probably once or twice a month. And um, I'll never forget what he said. He said, I'll, I'll I'm going to offer you a buffet of real estate um, opportunities and you can kind of, you know, we'll, we'll just see how it develops and you can go whatever route you want to go. So yes, he allowed me to start as a junior project manager uh, with some of the senior project managers to um, start on the development of Common of Bluff. So I got to see him make all his presentations to the town of Bluffton and to the county, um, worked on putting all the roads, water, sewer, curb and gutter, got to work with Jack Nelson's team on the golf course. Um, got to do all the wetland delineation, archaeology delineation, go to Charleston and help out with all those entitlements. So it was a lot of fun. And then um, what I soon found out was that the details were not my forte. Um, I needed to be uh, talking to people and selling a vision. And so Jim saw that. Jim probably let me stay on um, in that development role. Um, and he knew it early, but I went up to him one day. I said, Jim, I need to sell. I need to be with people. And um, he started letting me take tours with people at Palmetto Bluff and they moved me um, into that role. So um, I just, it's all about kind of who you know in life. And Jim was a pretty special person and getting to put me in that role. Well, your your first sale was my father and I, when you got your job and you were doing your development stuff and you came and called to me and you said, but no, we've got this vision of this core village at Palmetto Bluff and we need to uh, set it up with houses all around the potential hotel and the town village and everything else. And next thing you know, we built over a hundred houses over there and we wouldn't have done that without you. A starting in my basement, flipping pies, meeting Mosley, working on junior development, calling us. We started building houses over there, had a very successful career over there. And then you started selling, you started selling the dream of Palmetto Bluff and, um, you know, you were there for how many years, Keen, working as a on-site development guy, or, or excuse me, an on-site sales guy? Yeah, so I started in Palmetto Love in 2001. We actually started selling in 2004. Um, I went out a brief stint at another piece of property um, just towards Beaufort for about two years, and they brought me back. So really, since 2007, I remember in 2007, the world was starting to change a little bit as right when I started. So um yeah, I've been selling it from 2007 to 2018, and then in 2018, um, for a bunch of different reasons, all my partners and I went out on our own, and that's what we're doing today. Well, that's awesome. a that, that's a super story. Um, 
Johnny, you've been selling real estate longer than all of us and, 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 and probably longer than a lot of our listeners here. What still drives you to get out of the bed and sell more real estate than anybody in, in Hilton Head and Bluffton? Wow. Uh, it's changed, you know, if you'd asked me that question back, um, you know, when I first moved here in 1980 versus now, uh, at that time, money was the driving force because uh, I didn't have any. Had a young family, one son that was a year old, and uh, then trying to figure what am I going to do. And now this, you fast forward to the current. Now we have four children, grown children, uh, and sixteen grandchildren. Wow! So the driving force now is time, is to be as productive as I can be in a relatively short period of time, so I can go to Durham and visit our daughter's got six kids. We can go to Cary, North Carolina for two kids and the other two sons who have four kids. So we just had all 16 of them in here last night. We were celebrating August birthdays. Um, so I'm very, very blessed to have a wonderful family. And to answer your question, what drives me, I, I've been fortunate to, uh, I've always been competitive. Uh, in the book business, I was very fortunate to have come out very well. Uh, on that first summer, second summer went back and set another record during that summer. And so the guys wanted me to come down to sell real estate. As I, can. I actually started out in timeshare and Seacrest Surfing Racket Club. Mm -hmm. And uh, they just consistent so, with all the other gentlemen that we mentioned earlier in this podcast. It, exactly. Uh, and then I was, had a stint over on Defusky on Melrose when it was blowing and going from 80 to 85. Uh, and then uh, started working with John Reed at Colleton River in 1990 at the front gate. And we developed Colleton. Then from 95 to 2000, we did Belfair. And then 2000, 2005, we did Berkeley Hall. And then we started Hampton Lake in 2005. So my background uh, as Keynes originally was all developer sales. And then we transitioned from that into the brokerage side of the business. Mm. So uh and then it's, it's what, but what drives me now is to spend more time with my family. And I know the only way I can do that is I got to sell a lot of real estate in a short period of time. And, and also put together a team, Johnny, where your influence, everything you've done since 1980 can translate into your team members and you can continue to spend time with your family, do what you want to do and continue to grow your business. Right. So from a team aspect, which we'll get into later, you know, that's a, um, that's a great thing to do. Johnny, you have over 40 years of real estate experience, right? I mean, if you look at your trajectory, I like to call them defining moments, right? And defining moments are those times that something clicks within you where it's part by design, but also part by chance where things begin to really take off. So for a while, you were probably a pretty good agent, but then there was something that hit that have had that, that kind of triggered in the way you approached real estate that was epiphanal. Can you uh, tell our listeners a little bit about what that was for you? Great question. Um, yeah, and I'll try to do it without getting emotional. Uh, in uh, 19, our son went to Georgia Tech on a baseball scholarship. So we spent a lot of time on the weekends watching him play up in Atlanta. And then uh, this was... Uh, Gosh, what year was that, King? 2010? I guess. Uh, 2010. I, yeah. And I was, uh, anyway, we were in Atlanta watching our son play ball that weekend. And all I wanted to do was sleep. I was just tired. And uh, 
you know, I didn't, and, and I noticed my urine was dark and I said, I'm not hydrated. I need to drink more water. Didn't make a difference. So driving home from Atlanta on Sunday, I told my wife, I need to get a physical. And she said, what are you talking about? I, said, I just need to get checked out. So called my doc Monday morning, got in there Monday afternoon. He said, you're healthy as a horse. I went, great. Fantastic. Thanks. He said, but I want to get some blood work and a urine sample. And, but uh, yeah, you look great. Everything else. Next day, he called me about quarter to 12, and he says, what are you doing? I said, get ready to have lunch. And he said, uh, don't do that. He said, don't eat anything. I've got a scan set up at 2 o'clock at the hospital for you. I said, we talking about a scan. What about as healthy as a horse stuff? And he said, I found something in the blood work I don't like. He said, uh, I'm coming by your house this afternoon at 5 o'clock. Not usually a good sign when your doctor says he's coming by your house. Right. Uh, Kent England was our doctor. Uh, I'd coached his sons in high school basketball. Great personal friend. He came in, sat in our family room. And uh, he started he started crying. And uh, he said, Johnny, you have pancreatic cancer. And uh, there's a... 85% chance you won't live past five months. Uh, if you are one of the 15% that uh, qualify for surgery, you've got to go where they do a lot of them because there's a direct correlation between the number of procedures and the success rate. That led me to Sloan Kettering in New York. And by God's grace and great medical care, I did fall in that 15% that had a chance. And um, they did what they call the Whipple where they took out a third of my stomach, third of my appendix, my uh, duodenum or duodenum, whatever you call it, my gallbladder, and then tried to hook everything back up so it worked. And uh, then they gave me six months of chemo, oral and drip, and then six weeks of radiation with more oral chemo. It threw the kitchen sink at me. But by God's grace and great medical care, 12 years later, guys, I'm here talking to you today. Amazing. Uh, 5% survive five years and it's been 12. So uh, you won't hear me complaining about it being too hot today or too cold today (laughs) or too wet today or too dry today. I'm just happy to be here guys. So, uh, you know, about four hours ago, my eyes open and my feet hit the floor. It was going to be a great day. I love it. I love it. So anyway, we're glad you're here too. Yeah, that's fantastic, Johnny. And I don't take that lightly, but no, I'm I'm very, very grateful. Uh, A friend of mine said, God needs you here, Johnny, for a while. And I said, no, God doesn't need me for anything, (laughs) but he's allowed me to be here. And, uh, and through that, I've been able to encourage a lot of others. And um, so part of my goal now is I get a lot of phone calls. People have been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. The odds are they're going to be gone within five years. And uh, but during that time frame, I can encourage them. And some of those will be fortunate as I they'll survive past that. So, so well, John, sorry. you've done a lot of training as well, right? I mean, in terms of taking people under your wing and and really, you know, playing your part in this ecosystem of real estate. Can you can you take us through some of those? Uh, pieces that you try to instill in younger real estate agents? And also said differently, love to know how you lead your team, right? Your team of five. Do y'all have weekly team meetings? Uh, how do you, how do you, um, how do you, how do you work that team as well? <laughs> I'll answer the second question in a second. The first part, guys, uh, I had to survive. When the Great Recession hit, man, it was tough on us. And I don't know about you guys, but 
all I knew was real estate. So what I do when, and, and when things are blowing and going, I kept buying real estate. I kept, I'd, re, you know, I'd put more, uh, more mortgages on the property. I'd go out and buy more until the music stopped. And then uh, when the music stopped, we had a six, 7,000 square foot home on the water, a pool, a boat in the backyard, raising four kids, loved it. Um, but, you know, when the recession hit, then all of a sudden I said, I got to change something because I keep doing what I've been doing. I'm going to keep getting what I've been getting and what I've been getting isn't what I want to get. So uh, I started doing some training and I, I started calling up folks that uh, at real estate companies, developers primarily. And I said, I'll come into a day session for you. Uh, I think it was five grand they paid me. Uh, and I'll come in there and I'll train your team on, uh, you tell me what your team is weekend and I'll come in and help them with that. Just yesterday, the day before yesterday, day before yesterday, day before, yeah. J Banks Design, the largest design firm on Hilton Head. And they're very, very good. Nationwide. Yeah. Uh, Johnny's got 42 designers. So she had me in yesterday just to give an hour talk on attitude. And uh, I started off by saying, you know, some people can brighten up a room just by leaving it. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> so we know those people too. <laughs> we do. So get them out. <laughs> so that transitions. But anyway, I did training during the recession because people weren't buying real estate. And I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the emails I got. I said, Johnny, you've turned my career around. Thank you so much for all your encouragement. And thank you for letting me know this too shall pass. And we'll be able to work through this together. And then I actually did a training session for Pamela Bluff back uh, in that era. So uh, the training, what I would do, but know, is come in. Basically, it's like any type of sales presentation. What is the need? How can I fulfill that need? And, and, and the need was, was back then, a lot of people were discouraged. I remember people came in, son, John, people would ask me, they said, this is during the recession. Now let's back up. Okay. To 88, And people say, are things picking up? And I go, yeah, they picked up my car. They picked up my TV. (laughs) (laughs) And my son, John came in one day, he was working with me at the time. And he said, dad, do you know the difference between a large pepperoni pizza uh, and a realtor? I said, no, John, I don't. Tell me. He said, a large pepperoni pizza can still feed a family of four. (laughs) (laughs) Thank goodness those days are behind us. But I'm telling all our agents now, and we're seeing the shift. Okay, I love that shift word. But I said, don't go out and buy a new car. Don't buy a new boat. Don't buy a new airplane. Because we're not going to continue doing this. At some point, and we've been telling folks this for the last couple of years, it's going to do this. Hopefully it won't do that. So you know, I look at these young folks and I go, hey, years ago, that was me. So whatever I can take from my experience and share with them, uh, that motivates me. It really does. Well, that's great. We'll, we'll go, on, go into Keen now. And Johnny, that was that was fantastic. Keen, I'm sure you've learned a bunch being on this team. If you could credit one tactic, one mindset, one technique, one approach, one way you do networking. You know, when you kind of look at all those different things, I'd love to understand how you motivate yourself. And I know you get up early. Uh, take me through what what you've learned and 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 who you like to kind of base your business off of, and uh, what what gets you going every day, Keen. That's a great question. Um, 
you know, I think we all have innate qualities that we all, um, you know, we're somewhat born with. And those innate qualities uh, probably are enhanced through our life experiences. Um, you know, I, I struggled in school growing up, um, didn't do as well as, uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, a lot of friends. But what I did excel in were sports. Um, and so some confidence that I gained in, in my life and my will to win and my competitive nature, the tenacity, my grit came from really the, the success that I had um, in sports. And so when I uh, got cut from the baseball team at Ole Miss, um, I immediately got into triathlons and racing mountain bikes. And um, that really took who I am to a whole nother level, because when you're when you're really racing against yourself and you don't feel like you can do anything else, you can't go any harder or any further. You can. Um, and, and that is what um, I think is really credited um, my work ethic today, because um, real estate's tough. We all know it's hard, um, but I think the innate quality of just the will to win and, 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 you know, using, you know, the traits that you have with uh, being able to relate with people and, um, and work in those relationships on top of just a, a standard hard work ethic is, uh, is what, um, I guess, motivates and, and drives. Well, I think we were best buds in high school because you and I were in the back of the class. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, back of the class. And uh, I wanted to be good at it. And I tried hard at it. I just wasn't. Well, well Keith, <laughs> wasn't. so, you know, so, so, so take school aside, right? Everybody does something really, really well. And Johnny, I'd love to hear this from, from you as well. What 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 superpower would you say if you had to pick one that each of you guys have? Superpower? Yeah, Johnny, you've got something that you can do better than anybody else, right? Otherwise, you know, you wouldn't be brokering billions. So there's something that you do really, really, really well. And same with you, Keen. I'd love to know what those are. Because as we talk to other people that are doing what you guys are doing different traits stand out, you know, and it's, it's been very interesting for Chris and I to, to see, you know, what are those very unique characteristics of the agents that are top in their market? Why don't you start us off, Beno? What's your superpower? <laughs> Thanks, dude. Yeah. Um, I'm going to turn it on you first. Set well, the stage. I, I would say my, my superpower is, is, and I've said this before in another podcast, I'm smart enough to know how dumb I am. Mm. And by knowing that you can't be everything to everybody, you can't do everything on your own. You need to relinquish power, you know, understanding that, you know, you're, you're just not that smart, right? Uh, is my superpowers. So from a delegation standpoint and that kind of thing, I think that I'm very, very good at that better than, better than most. Um, so what do you think? Uh, what do you think, Keen? I'll start with you. Yeah, that's, um, I'll double on that. But and I were fishing a year or so ago and we were, um, you know, I think I had a, a deal working and um, I told him that we, uh, I just got off the phone. I was like, yes, got this deal done. He's like, cool. And I was like, I started working on my phone or my, I think I had my iPad with me on the boat. He said, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm typing this contract. He's like, you're typing that contract? That's stuff, you're terrible at that kind of stuff. Why are you doing that? <laughs> and um, it just registered, you know, I need, to, I need to get somebody to help me with stuff like that. But um, to, the, to the question, uh, I'll give you two things. Um, 
I think I'm real trustworthy. Um, I care about the people I'm with, um, the, you know, the tours and everything that I'm doing um, is very, very genuine. And um, I think people can feel and, and see that. And um, another, I would, you know, to your, uh, the superpower, you know, I can relate with anybody, being able to relate with um, anybody you put me in front of, um, and build trust is something that uh, I think I'm just fortunate to have the ability to do. Would you say that's a chameleon-like characteristic? So, you know, somebody from the Midwest comes in, somebody, you know, uh, a real country guy comes in or, or, you know, a guy, you know, from from New York City all buttoned up, right? So so anybody you can kind of start to relate and make them feel comfortable. And I, I, I agree that I think that that is a great superpower that you possess. Yeah, I can um, I can find a reason to dance with anybody. Um, it can be somebody from New York. That's probably the most challenging for me being, you know, from the South, but I can do it. Um, but and then, uh, yeah, I can I just have the ability to do that with anybody. And that's something that I can, you know, just do. I don't I don't know why, but um, that's probably one of my traits. And awesome. you're very good at it. Yeah, very good at it. Thank you. All right, Johnny. You know, I, I think, you know, for me, uh, I've have pretty decent communication skills. Uh, people trust me. Uh, I'm able to establish that trust in a relatively short period of time. And I've always been blessed with a good attitude. And I, I, I hadn't thought about this until you just asked that question. But after my junior year in high school, I was a quarterback on a football team. And uh, the team my junior year went nine and one and there were of the 22 starting positions 21 were seniors and then little old me at the quarterback spot so i and everybody said you guys gonna be terrible next year you gonna be terrible and i don't know how i got my hands on it but i got a copy of norma vincent bills how to win friends and influence people and i started reading that thing and so by the time school started in august my senior year I think we we're going to beat the Green Bay Packers. I mean, we could do it. So the attitude began to come over. Uh, had a decent season, seven and three. They wasn't ninety-one, but then kind of parlayed that into just the whole attitude thing with the books and then the real estate. Um, and I always, given my talks, I did this the other day. I asked people, "Say attitude so important?" And I said, "I said, how many of y'all saw Dumb and Dumber, the first one?" And people just started, you know, chuckling a little bit. And I said, well, remember when he, when Kerry was in Aspen and he was infatuated with that girl and he got it all messed up. He said, what's the odds of a girl like me getting together with a guy like you? And she said, one to me. And he said, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> so when I went to Sloan Kettering to meet Dr. Peter Allen the first time, no oh yeah, I've got pancreatic cancer. I'm going to be dead in a couple of years. And I turned to him and I said, Doc, I said, did you ever see Dumb and Dumber? <laughs> and this highly educated Harvard grad. And going, he looked at me like I had you know, four eyes. And he says, yeah, I think I did. And uh, I said, well, I want you to know. And I told him the story. I said, well, me, one in a million is a lot, you know, 5% is a lot bigger than one in a million. So I said, I'm on board. And I said, I want to be your poster child. If standing on the corner of Highway 278 will get me healed, I'm in. But I want to be your poster child. This past Christmas, I got a Christmas card from him. He said, to my poster child, Johnny. 
That's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love but it. Going back, it is attitude. And, uh, and it's not just attitude. Obviously, I've been blessed with some other things and great people to work with. Uh, Keen and Mike and Thomas and Jeff. Now my son's with us. Uh, yeah, there's no really leading, if you will, Bono. You do lead by example, yes. But it's just the five we put together is just it's contagious because we all are good communicators. We all have high goals. We all you know, want to do the right thing. And we're service, 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 service. And I, we keep hammering that. So it's not about us. It's about the customer. And they feel that because they know we're going to be honest with them. Uh, Jeff just told a lady yesterday to not buy the house she wanted to buy because it was a two-bedroom. He said, you'll never sell it. And said, they're not going to maximize your rental potential. So the client knows we have their best interest at heart. Mm -hmm. And when you do that consistently, day in, day out, guess what? They tell all their friends about it as well. Well, Johnny, I know something very unique about y'all's team, and I want to discuss this because it goes back to a lot of things you and Keen are talking about. And that is, you've got a team of five. You did $280 million last year. The way I understand it, y'all split everything five ways. So if Keen sells 40%, your son sells 20%, Mike Hare sells 2%. Just kidding, Mike. Um, <laughs> but... but but not everybody's going to have the same year, right? Somebody might outshine somebody out the next year. You're not all going to be equal. But it seems like to me, y'all really operate from what a team means. And if Mike's got a client or Maybach's got a client or whatever, you know, one of you guys can help because you're all in it together and you're all going to get your share. Very unique in our team structure, how that works. So I'd love for both you guys to discuss the advantages of that type of scenario. Go ahead, Keen. Yeah, I think um, it's very unique, very unique. And um, I think that's one reason that I think we've been able to really get, uh, you know, the, the lion's share of the market at Palmetto Bluff, um, because what we're able to do is when we go to a listing presentation, basically say when you hire one of us, you're getting four of us. We're not going to be like a traditional office that are going to be competing with each other. Um, we're all going to be pulling from the same side of the rope. Um, to help you market your property um, or we're, we're buyers, we can all kind of, um, you know, trade ideas and homes uh, with one another that might be coming on the market. So, um, you know, it's a little counterintuitive, but if you have the right group of people that are all willing to work the exact same amount um, and you can have a bunch of different personalities, which we do, we're all very, 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 very different. Um it actually, it works. Now it creates a ton of pressure because of what you just mentioned. Um, the only thing works there, right? is- You don't want to be, is, you don't want to be the, the weakest link. You don't want to be the guy that's doing 2%. Um, that's going to make you not want to go on a vacation. Not going to want, you know, you're going to be working more and more and more and more and more because of that. So it's very stressful. Um, but in the end of the day, um, you know, Thomas, Mike and I uh, have been doing this since 2007. And uh, we had together, correct? You, we've all, you've been, all pooling, been team members, so yeah, pooling the pooling the commissions. Yep, yep. So um, it's worked for us. Um, it's worked well for us. And what's neat about that, y'all, is that you know, as a developer sales guy, you got one goal: that's sell developer property, whatever it is. So now that you know, we have we're we now work with resales. So when someone is talking about selling their house, want to buy, we they know we're focused on them, not on the developer property. So, and it's technically for that do the split because Jeff has just joined us. 
Jeff is focusing on the properties outside of Palmetto Bluff, as do I. And inside Palmetto Bluff, it's Keen, Thomas, Mike, uh, that do all the work inside the, the, the bluff. And when we say developer properties, but no, you, you know, I mean, you know, Palmetto Bluff is working, we call those the developer and be pushed to sell just their lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so for the listeners out there, um, I want to hit on this for a minute because I think this is very, very important. I started my career with only a set amount of property that I could show and that I could sell. I couldn't go sell anybody anything outside the gates. Keen started the same way and was in a community called Palmetto Bluff and could only sell developer-owned properties and sometimes some resales within that development. But it was churning and burning so much and new releases were happening. You pretty much primarily sell 95% developer-owned stuff and, and less resale. That's a tough position to be in and also have a great work-life balance relative to you're in there at eight o'clock in the morning and you're in the sales trailer or the sales office, wherever you are. And a lot of, a lot of agents that are listening right now do that. And you leave at five o'clock, six o'clock, and you're, and you're answering the phone and you are present. I remember Keen and I having a discussion. I don't know how many years ago this was, but I said, Keen, you've got a ceiling with how much property you can sell because there's only an X amount of property within this development. And a lot of, a lot of people that work for developers have that. I said, you got into real estate so you could have your own hours, do your own thing, market yourself, sell to anybody, anywhere on your time. Tell me about that transition and how that's been for your family, your attitude and everything else. Well, you, there's one way to com completely burned out uh, in this business is to be working seven days a week for 10 years. And when I say seven days a week for 10 years, I'm 100%. There were, I was working every day in that office and not doing anything, going, not going to baseball tournaments, not going to you know, plays that my daughters were in and not hanging out with my wife like I should, not coming down to see my friends. So um, the transition now is we still work hard. I mean, that's just what we do. Um, but you're able to work hard no matter, you just don't have to, man, you know, I was a man in an office from eight to five or six, seven, every single day, Sundays, Sundays, you know, I'd be in church and be like, Oh my gosh, I'm, they're going to get mad. I'm not, I gotta, I gotta get out. I'd leave in the middle of the sermon and go, um, and, you know, get to the office <clears throat> and get home at six. So, you know, the transition now is, is awesome. I mean, like I said, we're, working all the time still, but I'm, I'm home. I'm get to go places. I have a phone now, I, right. you know, blessing and a curse, but you have devices now that you can work, um, you know, anywhere and everywhere. My appointments, as you all know, we're set or we set our appointments now. So, um, you know, if I'm going to the house, I get to, I get to, you know, just much more freedom. Real and also freedom. the way your team structure is, look, if you've got an important baseball game for little Keen, you know, in uh, Savannah, and you're going to be gone Thursday afternoon. Well, that's cool. I mean, totally you guys cool. are covered yeah. it, and, you, and that's Give everybody a heads up. Hey, I, you know, Keen's yeah. in a showcase. I'm going to go watch it. Um, I'll be out for you know a couple hours, and you have they got your back. Do you guys know what your average transaction uh, was in uh, in that 250 million? Do you guys know about what that was? 280. A 280. I mean, gosh, I just looked at that. I think last year it was two and a half, probably. Yeah, wow. two and a half. Um, so we did our, yeah, it's, you know, the last couple of years we've seen like everybody prices just skyrocket, um, sure. but it, well into the twos. So 
let's get, let's go through that a little bit. I mean, in terms of, I mean, obviously you guys have seen tremendous success and a lot of listeners out there are agents that are kind of stuck at that, let's just say 5 million volume level. What is the one piece of advice that you would give them that they need to fully embrace to really break through to that next level? What, what would you say that would be for each of you? I would say they're not providing enough service. Mm. I, I'd encourage them to look and say, how can I better serve the people that I'm dealing with? Uh, what can I do? For example, one of the top agents on Hilton Head happened to be going down to Sea Pines and uh, went by a house a client of his asked, and the basket, uh, he had a basketball go in the driveway. Well, the net was half off. You know, somebody's taking enough shots to warn the net out. So he gave a high school kid friend of his, you know, 25 bucks. He said, go down to Walmart and buy a new net and put it on that goal. And so what he did, so about three, four weeks later, the owner comes in town and he's, he sees it and he calls Jim. He said, Jim, did you put me a new net up? He said, what are you talking about? You put that net. He said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. That's that's creating raving fans. That's a customer. Johnny, that's a great story. Love that story. So it's, it's serving. How can I better serve? Because what yeah. all these young people don't understand you get paid in the direct proportion that you serve, but you got to serve in order to get the pay. Some of these younger folks get out of whack. They want to get the compensation and then I'll serve. No, you got to outserve other people. You got to fit. What can I do? Just pick up the phone and call Sally today. Sally bought a home from you a year ago. Sally, I'm just thinking you this morning. I want to give you a call. How are y'all doing? How are things up in Cincinnati? And just talk and then listen, 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 listen. And then at the end of the day, at the end of the day if I can, can I help y'all? Are y'all coming down anytime soon? Anything I can do before y'all get here? No, no, not really. Okay, well, I just want you to know, Sally, how much I appreciate working with you and Bill. And, mm. and I greatly appreciate our relationship. You know, if I can ever be of help to you, let me know. And if you'd share that with friends of yours, I would greatly appreciate it. Johnny, you know, we'd never refer anybody else other than you. Well, I really appreciate that. Y'all have a blessed day and I uh, look forward to seeing you when you get down here Labor Day. Johnny, that is gold. So good. So, that is gold. Well, it's a lot easier knocking on doors trying to sell books. It is. <laughs> so Johnny and I were role playing before we even got started today. I was acting like uh, he just knocked on my door with some books. It, it's worth hearing this guy. Um, give him any objection. It is the best. Yeah. Um, it, it, you'll get a kick out of it. But um, I was going to say listening. I think if you're an agent that uh, two things, listening and you got to get out of the details. I think you got to get focused on, um, you know, listening and diagnosing exactly what those folks want and then um, and taking it from there and just stay big picture. Sales is a transfer of enthusiasm. Get extremely fired up and excited about what you're showing. Reiterate what they've told you and go downhill from there and get excited about it. I love it. I love it, Keenan. Also, I'd say compliment. You know, Compliment. make sure that they know that you like their house that you're yeah. selling. They're hiring you to sell something that they really, really love and make sure that you love it, too. You yeah. know, um, yeah, you know, we were going to ask you guys a final question, uh, you know, that says, you know, you know, what's when what, what's one characteristic you have to be successful? Well, you know what you guys are and, and the team that, that you guys are in and Johnny, the team that you're leading and created, you know, it's a service oriented team. I mean, plain and simple, service is what gets the job done. Service sells $280 million. Service is why people um, call you guys, why you have your term raging fans. 
raving fans. And that's why y'all been so successful. So for the listeners out there, how can you outserve everybody else that's selling real estate in your market? I think that over the last two years in the United States, there's been 22% more real estate agents that have joined our industry, right? Atlanta's gone from 18,000 to like 22,500 people. There's a lot of people that want the business. How are you going to outserve them? How are you going to get them to use you to go sell property, right? And that's what I've learned today from these two great yeah, guys. So good, guys. That was so good. Look, you guys are awesome. Keen, please come visit me sometime. I invited you like three times to come. I know, I'm terrible. I didn't get, we need I'm going to invite Johnny next time. Look, <laughs> you guys are awesome. Thanks so Chris, much for being awesome. on Broken Thanks. Billions. Love Thanks. you guys. Yeah, see ya. I'm Bono Ansley. And I'm Chris Tuff. We're signing off. This is Brokering Billions, baby.